And now another edition of our Penn podcast series. It's the Penn Medicine Heart and Vascular Update. Here's Melanie Cole. The American College of Sports Medicine and the World Health Organization suggest that adults 18 to 64 do at least 150 minutes of moderate exercise or at least 75 minutes of high-intensity physical activity each week. Guidelines also recommend adding muscle-strengthening exercises into the routine two or more days a week. My guest today is Dr. Neil Choksi. He's the medical director in sports cardiology and fitness program at Penn Medicine. Welcome to the show, Dr. Neal. So exercise people hear this 150 minutes. They don't know which to do, how much of it to do, and what kinds to do. So let's start with what kind of exercise is the best for your heart? Sure, Melanie. So, you know, really what I tell my patients is that anything that they enjoy doing is appropriate. So that's usually the best advice I can give because we want to make sure it's sustainable activity. Um, so most people maybe have never been to a gym or they don't really know where to start. So walking is entirely appropriate for this kind of activity. Um, and it's the simplest thing to do because many people don't have access to a gym or a bike or something more intense. Um, so really, we say anything you enjoy doing, uh, up to including walking, for up to 150 minutes per week. And we say that you can, um, what we want, what also matters here, as you mentioned, was the intensity of the exercise. So the way we we don't want you just to walk around, but to make it count, um, we like you to do make sure you're getting your heart rates up, or or you make sure you're working hard your heart hard enough. Um, and so, what I usually tell people if if they're starting beginners, I tell them to start walking, walk three times a week, 45 minutes at a time to get to about 150 minutes, or walk 30 minutes a day for five days a week. That's usually sustainable. And I tell them to start out slow if they've never started walking, but to walk at a pace where if somebody was trying to talk to them, uh, they'd get a little short of breath while they were talking. Um, and that usually is about moderate intensity. And, and then I tell them to start from that and, and progress. And so as time goes on, if that becomes easy for them, I tell them to walk a little bit faster. And then we start to build in more intense activities for them as they tolerate. Does somebody need to have a heart checkup before starting, uh, even if it's just a simple walking program? Sure. So it used to be the case that we told people that, yes, you do need to have a heart checkup before you start walking. But they changed this guideline recently because we realized that this creates an obstacle to people, you know, beginning exercise programs. They 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 used to say that I need to see a doctor before I start doing things. And, uh, you know, obviously we it's already hard enough to exercise as is. So we've sort of backed off of that. And there are certain guidelines where we say if people are high risk enough, where they have uh, certain cardiac risk factors like high blood pressure, high cholesterol, diabetes, kidney disease, that we may suggest things. But in general, my advice is that you don't need, if you're feeling okay, you don't have symptoms, you don't have a history of heart problems, you don't need to get a checkup, as long as the general tenant is that if you start slow and increase gradually, that your heart adapts and you're just fine without having to see a doctor. It's usually when people are looking to do something more intense, um, some more intense activity, and, and starting from doing nothing, that's when they get into trouble. So I tell people, don't go from zero to 60. Start slowly and go 
um, gradually, and as long as you feel well, it's entirely fine. If you do have a history of heart problems or, or many risk factors and you're not entirely sure or you're really having symptoms if you tried to go and exercise and you get chest pain or shortness of breath or lightheaded and you're not entirely sure, then it's good to at least touch base with your physician to figure out if it is safe for you, whether you need to have some testing or you're good to go without any more intervention. So if they've just begun, what are some red flags, Dr. Neal, that you would like people to keep an eye on, especially if they do suffer from heart disease or peripheral vascular disease, they're on some medications for blood pressure, they have diabetes, whatever it is, what are some red flags you'd like them to keep in mind when they are doing some heart smart exercises? Sure. So in general, I, the first tenet is start slow. And the second is that if you do have any real um, history of heart problems or peripheral vascular disease, um, then I would definitely consult with your doctor to figure out where's the right starting point for you. Um, and many times we prescribe the exercise for symptoms. So in those scenarios, you know, where, for example, you may be having pain in your leg due to peripheral vascular disease, you may be having chest pain due to a blockage in one of the arteries of your heart. In those scenarios, you want your doctor to tell you what's the right amount of activity. But if, you, if, you're, if you're going along and you're feeling fine and then you start to develop symptoms, well, that's a different story. Things to be concerned about are really new symptoms at activity levels that were previously okay for you. So you walk on the treadmill every day and now suddenly at the same speed, at the same incline, you might start to feel some chest pressure. Um, typical symptoms related to heart would be chest pressure that radiates down your arm, up your jaw, maybe associated with shortness of breath. You may just feel generally lousy and it gets better if you were to stop pretty promptly. Um, that's a little bit concerning, but unfortunately everyone's chest pain is a little bit different. But also, if you get more short of breath in general compared to what you used to be able to do and you've been maintaining your exercise tolerance, that might be, you know, a sign that you maybe just need to consult with somebody as well. Um, and, of course, if you're having heart racing or palpitations when you're doing activity, that might be a sign. Of course, this is always a little bit tricky because we expect your heart to go faster and for you to feel your heart racing when you're exercising. That's normal. So, um, that's appropriate. If we also, if you're pushing yourself a little bit above what you normally do, we expect you to get a little bit shortness of breath. So that's also appropriate. So it's often hard to tell, but if you're not entirely sure, it's always worth a conversation with your doctor. Dr. Neal, since exercise has an insulin-like effect for diabetics and it can lower blood pressure for people with high blood pressure up to a few hours post one bout of exercise, what would you like people to know about adhering to their exercise program and gradually progressing so that it gets a little harder each time and they can make great strides? Sure. So I would say for the purposes of high blood pressure and diabetes, um, one of the things that our patients always think, just maybe from media or, or their own intentions, that you don't actually need to kill yourself. You know, as you, it just takes very little routine exercise at moderate intensity to have an effect on your blood pressure, to have that reversal effect on your diabetes. And, 
you know, sometimes people feel a little overwhelmed because they feel that they need to go running or they need to um, do some high intensity, what we would consider high intensity um, and, and long duration activity. But really, it doesn't take much to have an effect on high blood pressure, diabetes, on weight loss. It's really about uh, making, you know, doing, as you mentioned, what's sustainable for you. And, and that's why uh, sometimes people don't realize that it doesn't take as much as they think to have a positive effect on their cardiac health. So give us your best advice. What would you like to tell people about exercise and even including some other types of exercise, Dr. Neil, that might also be good for our heart, like yoga or meditation, flexibility and strength training, kind of wrap it all up in a nice picture for us about exercise as a whole and why it's so good for not only our heart, but the rest of us as well. Sure. So you know what? I think the bit most important factor is, that entails to all of the things you mentioned is finding something you enjoy. So making sure that the activity is something that you enjoy doing, that you, you're willing to go out and do it repetitively, and you really need to build it into your day-to-day life as a habit. You know, it's just like brushing your teeth. You need to do whatever it is you do for your heart every day or every other day. As far as activity is concerned, so sometimes the simplest activity, as we talked about, is best. But, you know, there are a lot of other um, beneficial activities uh, that we can talk about. And I usually base the advice on the person's goal. So if your goal is just to get by and do the minimal amount to make sure your heart's healthy, then, you know, you can do moderate intensity activity. A lot of our patients are looking to lose weight. Well, in that case, you don't have to. What, what's more important is the duration of activity, not necessarily the intensity, and you want to burn more calories with your activities. So you want to try to find something that you can do longer periods of time that you can do every day to create that caloric deficit to lose weight. Um, Other things as part of the recommendation you said that I usually say, if you want to do a little bit more, part of the recommendations include some weight training, at least twice a week, 20 minutes at a time, some sort of resistance training. So this is easiest done at the gym, but there are a lot of things that you can do around the home um, that, you know, even including just work around the house that count for this. And I think in addition to your heart, there are a lot of benefits to this. So I tell most of my patients that if you want to do more, the resistance training has a lot of um, benefits for your bone health, for preventing frailty as you get older. Um, it also increases when you're, if your muscle mass goes up, it increases your metabolic uh, uh, rate so that you could essentially consume more calories that, that can help you with burning uh, calories for reducing weight. So that's really important to me. And then if you know, if you really enjoy activity, then I think, and you want to stretch your cardiac fitness, well, then that's when I get into the more high-intensity activities. So things that you may, you know, people come to me and they want to train for a race as a goal, and it doesn't have to be maybe a 5K or a bike race. And that's when we start to talk about more complicated regimens where they entail um, high-intensity interval training. So we know that there's been more and more research about doing just 10 minutes of high-intensity activity a day. It has some benefits on your cardiovascular fitness, and there are lots of regimens out there, but as little as 10 minutes has shown to provide some benefit to your overall fitness level. I tend to reserve that as sort of an advanced technique if you haven't started exercising, but in people who are just looking to get you know, the most bang for their buck and they don't have a lot of time, uh, those are also very valid um, uh, regimens for them. 
Thank you so much, Dr. Choksi, for being with us today. You're listening to Penn Medicine Heart and Vascular Update. For more information, please visit PennMedicine.org. That's PennMedicine.org. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening.